Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak. We're here, episode 125 with Julie. Hey, guys. Hey, how's so it going? So glad to have you back. I know. And you have <laughs> power have power, have a, or, uh, almost an electricity, same thing, have internet, everything's good here now. No more That's hurricanes good. coming. How do you feel about Becca taking your vacation time when by claiming <laughs> that your hurricane knocked out her power and internet? <laughs> that was all our fault. I know, I was back on before she was. What in the world? I know, that is crazy. I, I don't know how you that know. worked. Okay, well, no shortage of ground to cover, as they say. So let's dive in to... It's story time! Andrew, take us away here. Yeah, take it away. So Facebook costs are down, which is awesome. I put a little... Yeah, (laughs) again. So I put a table in our little notes here. I, I guess we could share this, but this pulls in every builder we work with, and then it pulls makes an average for the CPM. So the cost mm-hmm. per 1,000 times an ad is displayed. And it's pretty clear, like on the 2nd of November, I'm not sure why it, it skipped a few of the days. It's out of order a little bit, but it jumps from like a 10 to $11 CPM to now we're at $7, like after election, which is pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Hopefully it then stays that way. But I have a feeling like as we get closer to Black Friday and then just in Christmas, and December, it'll probably creep up again. But yeah, nice. And that's that's all obviously only one of the metrics you would look at in terms Correct. of yeah. be, something being expensive or not. But just the raw impression cost, which isn't it's not it's not the number we usually look at the most for no. sure. I think but on it is a, interesting in terms of just the capacity of of availability to reach people. Yeah, definitely. And so and individually looking at CPMs on your own, like I don't think that's useful at all. But to aggregate and take out add performance, I guess, to try to even, mm-hmm. even that, I think this, to me, this would be like the only circumstance we would ever would use CPM is yeah. some inventory cost metric that we can, we could and go in there. Some people might be working with partners who that's the primary metric, in which case that's they true. can show you that it's down oh. about 25, 30% in, and hopefully not claim as they're, yeah, and they're that, doing that. We promise, <laughs> by the way, guys, is the only time we're going to mention the election on this episode. <laughs> we promise no more election. No more. It's done. It's over. <laughs> One way or the other. (laughs) All right, Julie, what do you got? Yeah, I was just um, thinking about this time last year, you know, I was still working for a builder and everything was push, push, push for um, being a new home by Christmas. What inventory can we sell? Uh A list of the homes we can get closed by Christmas and incentives for the new home (laughs) consultants on what we can get closed. And we just live in a different world these days. And that's not necessarily the goal. So I know a bunch of people are planning for 2021, but also we have to stop and look at the end of 2020 and what the heck our goals are (laughs) for the last two months when you're not doing what you're usually doing, which is how many homes can we hurry up and get closed? I mean, some people may be in that spot, but you know, the majority, a lot of the worker builders we work with um, don't have an inventory problem. (laughs) <laughs> right now yeah no, no inventory of homes and in some cases home sites both yeah. are gone yeah, yeah. i think but it's, it's been I, fun to watch some people have had 
to do some different things. You know, we've been doing more remarketing of testimonials and just mm-hmm. more, you know, kind of fun stuff that we've been able to do since that's not what we're pushing. Yeah. Focus on, on trust building and, and awareness a little bit more generally or remarketing, like you said, for sure. I think there's only one builder that we work with who we had that conversation of, they have some inventory homes in, in two, two of their neighborhoods. It's like, can we say they'll be ready by the end of the year? Is that, is that allowed? <laughs> because there's still so many stories. We were on with some one builder who in their construction meeting, their weekly construction meeting, it was the update on almost every house was waiting for lumber to wow. drop. I was on a call today with a builder in Texas who's waiting on brick to finish exteriors. Wow. Uh, it's, it just continues to be a challenge. Uh, and some builders seem to be managing it fairly well and others just keep getting caught off guard. So yeah, be careful if you're, if you're saying that message anyway, like unless your house is done right now, as you're listening to this, I don't think I'd be, I mean, the, the risk reward there is not good enough to throw that phrase out if, of missing a, I mean, that's, you want to make someone mad, promise them they'll be in by the holidays and then don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe next Christmas you could put on there. Cause it always <laughs> happens. They come back. We invited all of our family anywhere in the world to come visit us. Yeah, they have flights and everything. And now you have to put all them up in a hotel too. By the way, you might as well just get the whole hotel because there's COVID going around still. So we need the place to ourselves. It's just going to be a disaster. Don't you? They're don't coming do that. for Christmas, but you don't have any appliances because we can't get appliances <laughs> yeah. right now. So Take you can move in meal. without appliances. <laughs> yeah, that's not even funny. I, you guys remember my story oh, about man. not being able to come back home without a washer and dryer. That was mm. moving on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, I have too many as normal. First one is we got a builder who was sent an email from their Facebook rep, which you know how we feel about reps in general from any marketing source, even you, Facebook, who we, who we generally like. Um, this person was out of their mind, in my opinion. I would, I would brand them that totally crazy. They recommended to one of our builder partners that they stop all Facebook ads, 100%. <laughs> okay. From November 15th to December 1st. With the story of the costs are likely to get too high, so you might as well just turn them all off. Interesting. Super shady. That seems so weird from a Facebook rep. Instead of like, hey, here's some new strategies to mitigate the cost increase or something. Yeah. I think this is, when I say shady, the reason it just doesn't make any sense. There's no reason why you would proactively decide now we are not going to run any ads on something that you can decide on a minute by minute basis if you want to run ads or not. Uh, So it doesn't make any sense. And so when something doesn't make sense, I'm like, I I can read the email that was sent out from on high to all the reps that said, please try to get as many people to not run ads during this time frame because we want all of the small businesses who are trying and the, their cover story here was Black Friday is just gonna be too competitive. Don't even bother. I think you know Facebook relies so heavily on the millions of small businesses who use their service that they're terrified that a small business will not be able to afford the increased costs in advertising That's in that crazy. time period. And if they, you know, if you're a small business and you go through Black Friday as an e-commerce person or retailer and you don't sell, that's not that's that's damaging enough that you might just decide I have to look elsewhere besides Facebook and Instagram for next year. Like I can't put myself in this position again of relying on this thing so heavily. It just doesn't make, they're trying to clear the decks for some reason. And that's the only thing that I can come up with that makes any sense at all. Yeah. Why would, they're not winning any friends by saying, don't 
advertise for these two weeks either. So it just, I don't know. It's baffling. Yeah. Weird. There's gotta be, there's gotta be something else there. I, I maybe one of their competitors like hacked into Facebook and oh, yeah. pretended <laughs> to be off. a rep. He <laughs> should just not advertise scheme. at all. Yeah. Turn them all off. So yeah, I guess we'll find out if there's weird, like disapprovals or anything. I don't think they would do that. That seems super shady. Like, Oh, all the accounts are down today. Hey, yeah, well, uh, yeah. The the <laughs> bugs still exist throughout that platform, so I wouldn't be surprised if something does happen around Black Friday. That's just a general good reminder, Andrew. Good, good job. Uh, make sure if you're around that Black Friday mark, get your ads that you want to be running pre-approved and uh, ready to go before then. Yeah. Don't change things on probably that Wednesday before. Oh, or that might be like the cutoff. Is that what you're saying? Like, also, we should have set this in the news, didn't Zuck? Zuck just gave everyone at Facebook like a week off sometime in th- around the oh, holidays. Zuckerberg. So well, I wonder. It. I wonder Time if off. that it was part of the old know, Thanksgiving week off. Recover from COVID. Yeah. Yeah. As a reward, working through unprecedented. I don't. I don't. So, like knowing the reps we know, I feel like they've been traveling a lot and having oh, yeah. the most relaxed schedule in their life. Yeah. And I know on my end, like I've rescheduled, I've had to reschedule calls. And I'm sure if that's all they deal with is um, account managers. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, great. Half my calls are canceled this week. Yeah. I'm going out. Also, my other story is Holiday Tech Extravaganza is in full swing. Like, I can't tell you how many technological devices I have ordered for all of you, not for me for you. It's my <laughs> part of my job to, to stay on top of this stuff. What are they? I need um, to know. So I've got one of them right here. I've got, actually I have two of them because we're going to give away one of them. Um, but this is the creator creator pack for the Insta360 One X2. So this is a 360 camera. Resolution's been increased. Um, it comes with a invisible selfie stick. So it removes it in the frame when you hold it out. So it actually, it makes it look oh, like a drone. Okay. You can move the stick around. But, cool. but the great thing yeah, about like, 360 cameras is you don't have to worry about how you're framing the shot. You can reframe the shot after you shoot it. That's crazy. If I was going to have sense, a single video device right now, I think this is, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic here. A single video device to shoot interior walkthroughs of, of products and models. I think I would pick this thing because I could, I could reframe. You can also use it to create 360 tours, um, not with Matterport because they still require to use their own camera, but others, other providers like Box Brownie and the one that uh, Emma viewer, um, you can upload your own 360 shots from this thing as well. It's a, it's an amazing device. So I ordered two, one for me because I had um, given my other one to the nonprofit we work with in Guatemala for them to use. So I needed a 360 camera and then we're going to give one of these packs away. So I don't remember what this costs, but it's like, I think it's 500 bucks. It's super cool. I feel like there is, um, I forgot the account name. There's this guy that skates around New York City. This is totally nice random. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, Casey? not him. It's some other guy, but he's, he's on rollerblades. Mm. And he's, he has one of these and it, then he usually crashes or something, but it's all <laughs> in good fun. But that's like his entire account, millions of views. is just using, I think, this camera. Mm. just the way the edits are it looks just like his edits i'm looking on the site but yeah super cool camera very cool so we've got uh new gopros we've got new drones i i ordered a um, dgi mini 2 drone last night as well because i sent mine to mike lyon like four months ago for some quick i think to take pictures of his 
uh, how, one of his houses that he was selling and he never sent it back to me. So that's all right. That's, I get to get the DJI mini two. This What's is a that? 4k drone that is small enough. This is the exciting part about this one. It's small enough that you don't have to worry about any regulations. You don't have to take a test. You don't have to license, oh. get it, get it licensed. Oh. So you can take this sucker with you pretty much anywhere in anywhere the United in the States world. anyway, ah. and not get into trouble. And, Super cool. and yet at the same time, the new controller works up to 10 kilometers away from the device. That's ridiculous. Uh, and of course it can lock on to, to subjects, do automatic flying around like 10. that. So, um, we also have it? new cameras. Uh, it has, its, it has its own, um, signal. It calls, um, OcuSync. That's not crazy. sure how that works. It's really far away. Um, there's just a ton of great devices out there to be able to create and and capture content that that everyone needs and i still go back to at heartland we had a camera just sitting in the in the marketing room if anyone was heading out to the field you grabbed that camera and took it with you just to be able to grab anything while you're out and about and so some of these devices and we're going to be updating our holiday um, shopping guide and again any affiliate links in there will go towards charity for everyone so you can shop with a purpose this holiday but man i just i'm loving all this technology because i don't i mean even my, my kids can't think of anything they need for christmas because they've just been stuck inside <laughs> you know they're like we have a screen we could use another screen we don't really need another screen <laughs> i know i feel like they that's all my kids want to do all three of them even down to three-year-old i'm like what do you what do you think you want for christmas minecraft i'm like what you're three like, is that all you want in life? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. okay, this is so interesting. Yeah. And, uh, so, so more tech coming, more cameras out there, just a ton of cool stuff that we'll have. Um, I, you have a new camera coming, right? I, I do have a, an a seven S three, um, nice. crazy amounts of dynamic range. Perfect for, I, we, I used it on during trick or treat and it was almost pitch black and yet when you're looking through the camera it was like it was night vision but it was all it was just better than any human vision but it wow. wasn't all just you know green and black it was it's amazing that's cool uh but my final story we won't say the name of the builder you'd have you can go in the in the facebook group if you want to see this but on trick-or-treat night I, I get served this ad for like the 15th time and it is a builder that is in Ennis, Texas. I have come to later find out eventually, since I've decided to interact with this more and more as I see it, that this is a community somewhere in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Okay. But I've been served an ad for this. It's a particular community, Sleepy Hollow Manor in Ennis, Texas. And all it talks about is living in Ennis, Texas and how great that is and this, and this particular community. It's like, I don't know, why am I, I've never heard of this builder. I've never been to this builder's website. Before I clicked on this, I checked my history on all my devices. I've ne I'd never been here before. And so I clicked on the little, why am I seeing this ad icon? And it says that I was seeing that because this builder wants to reach people that it thinks are interested in home, real estate, and others, other things hmm. over the age of 18 who live, and this is the real kicker, anywhere in the United States. Oops. Oopsies. Uh, or maybe yeah. it's not an oops. I don't know. You still think it's an oops or you think it was I think a it's an oops because you wouldn't I'm going to I'm going like, to give me a second to think of an area of town here. Um if I ran an ad 
in Louisiana, where you are, Julie, mm-hmm. and it was trying to convince you to move to Lewis Center, Ohio. Yeah. What does that I mean would, to you? It doesn't yeah, mean anything. I have no idea. And particularly if I said, come, come move to Sleepy Hollow Manor in Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I think that's, that, that to me is why either the builder isn't quite sure what they're doing if they're doing it themselves or their partner who's running this for them is trying to just get the highest volume of traffic at the least mm-hmm. amount of price, regardless of quality, which is a weird thing to do given everything we know yeah. about what the pandemic has done for home builders. And so some people mentioned the same thing uh, you did, Julie, um, like, well, maybe they're trying to get relocation buyers. Then I click back into the comments. Cause now that I've interacted with the ad, guess what I get to see like every other time I come on Facebook now, I see the ad again. So I keep checking back to the comments and I've actually become friends with one of the other commenters whose name is Bayo Roberts. And his first comment in all caps, of course, is what is the proper procedure towards owning one of these houses in Ennis, Texas? And the sales rep says, come see me at the model home and we can show you the homes and start talking about the buying experience. <laughs> Clue number 52 that yeah. they don't know what they're doing here. And he has no caps. Mm-hmm. Like it's like opposites, like the <laughs> lowercase <laughs> one period at the end. Right. It's but so that, like you know, if your salesperson is inviting people from all over the country to just come visit them at their model home as the next step in the sales process, yeah. it's again, we're, we're, some, and then, then he says, I'm going to call you back, David, or, or Bayo. I'm going to, the sales rep, David says, I'm going to call you back. I'm not sure how he's going to do that, where he's going to get the person's number. And then Bayo comes back, which I think this was him just punking the builder. Thank you, sales rep. Please remember, I'm a truck driver leaving Chicago this Sunday to deliver a load in Alabama. <laughs> As it's, oh, like, I'm good. not going to be anywhere near you. And then in the comments, I've come back. This same person has come back and been like, I'm still waiting I expect, you know, it's now November. Who's going to get in touch with me? So I commented, I feel your pain, Bayo. I'm in Ohio. And he liked my comment. So now we're going back and forth on, <laughs> on here. And this Ennis is, I looked it up, just curious. It's 35 miles outside of Dallas. Like, and it's, yeah, it's out there. Like, yeah, but, I'm sure uh, the people listening are like, yeah, that's way out there. Like, no, one well, knows I remember it, is. it takes an hour to get almost anywhere in Texas or that's Texans are like, we're going around the corner and an hour later. You're there. So they're used to driving longer distances than some of us are. That's crazy. But holy cow, just, and, and this reminded me of someone that we used to work with who, um, now teaches other people how to do this, which kind of blows my mind. Uh, you know, they, they did the same thing. They were really excited about this first ad that they built that had like a three cent cost per click. And then we look and it's everyone commenting in California about this house in North Carolina where do I get this house? That's only this much money. Yeah, like, I'll buy it today. I'll buy it right now. And like, because they had accidentally the targeted the entire United States. So it's just oh, another yeah. reason why you should always have access to your accounts. If you're working with a partner, um, to be able to go in and check everything. And, and also it might be worth having a partner or at least taking a class or looking at some of the content on do you convert to figure out how to do the basics. Uh, correctly. Is there a, ever a time where you'd want to run the entire United States? Challenge question. Hmm. Hmm. I feel like we need the Jeopardy song here. No, I, I really, I mean, no. No. Yeah, Maybe either. if you were the villages trying to get see, like, old people from all over the United States to come retire there, maybe. And then I would want to be like 
I'd separate it by state maybe or something like. Yeah, that's typically what we would do is look in analytics, see the see the top five or six states that traffic is already coming to the site that is converting or performing well and add that into the mix. But I don't see why you would shotgun the entire U.S. No. So in other words, I think it's a big From a remarketing plan. standpoint, yes. Yeah. If they're anywhere in the United States, go, go back to them. But from a trying to bring people, like I'd never been to this builder's website before, so they weren't remarketing to me. It was just straight up Facebook shenanigans. Mm-hmm. All cool. right, moving on to the news. Remember, uh, budgeting time is still upon us. We do have an updated DYC resource to help out at now.youconvert.com slash budget 2021. Make sure you check that. It's an Excel file. It's got tabs for every size home builder. Um, whether you're building a website or not building a website, uh, things you need to, to factor into your cost structure there. So go check that out. It is a direct download. You do not have to give us your... You can be totally incognito and, and grab that sucker. You don't have to sign up to, to get really it on nice our email you. list or anything. Yeah, why not? Early Christmas uh, present. Early Christmas. Exactly. <laughs> we don't want your email. And we're going to come back to, to budget talk later when we get back to answers list this week's question of the answers to last week's question of the week. But let's move on to our first true article from searchengineland.com. Featured snippets the nine rules of optimization. So Andrew, of course, uh, grabbed away. this one because mm-hmm. he loves, he loves the mm-hmm. first, what is a snippet, Andrew? The snippet. Can... So if you're on Google, it's essentially where Google, if Rand Fishkin, if you know, we've talked about Rand Fishkin and he's very, there's some things Google does that he does not like. This is one thing I think they do. He does not like. They'll take content from your website and put it on to Google. Um, but what I found when I interact with those, like if you have like how to qualify for a mortgage or something like that, it might have like gather your tax returns, be aware of your credit and have like a list essentially of what Google thinks is the most appropriate, like quick answer and then a link to your website. Um, so I put this in here. So let's see what's what's I had this in my brain, like how I was going to say this so nice and eloquently. But <laughs> if you're writing content, if you're building content, I think all of us marketing, like if we could do things just a little bit better and just being aware, like, oh, I could write this article, have my writer write this article. And if I do these little things on here, it could get 10, 20, 30, 40, 50% more SEO benefit. I'm already doing the project anyways. Let's just do it a little bit better with mm-hmm. Google in mind. And so it gives you like the the how-to essentially on how to get your content to be extracted and put onto the Google search results page and then where you could take up like all that real estate. And the fun part with this is you might think like these keywords you're going after are big national terms, but if you're local to the people that are searching, it'll then it's going to favor you. So you don't, so you don't have to always think like, Oh geez, yeah. like this it's a way to go against the site. giants and still win. Yeah. They'll still pull you in because you're local. Um, so really any of the how to build a new home or financing around a new home or any of those types of questions, I think could be the opportunity, which you probably need yep. those answered anyways on your, on and your site. And we talked about this before with Random Fishkin, the concept, not everyone likes featured snippets. So you, you mm-hmm. have to decide first if the content that you're creating, do, do you want that to be a featured snippet? Because there's always the potential that people aren't even going to go visit your site because they're just grabbing the information they need from that snippet. Mm-hmm. So 
you want to you want to still try to think about it as a lead in um, to it. So one of the examples here is what our advisory shares. Well, it gives the simple answer, shows some images, but obviously, if that is what you're looking for, it, it's like it's been pushed to the top as a trusted source that gives people the yeah. right answer. But that's certainly a if you're asking what are advisory shares, you probably are going to want to click in and go deeper than just it's not like okay. a dictionary definition. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like what are the lyrics to this song? That's something you don't have to type to, to click through to go get the right rest there. of the story about that song. You're just trying to get the lyrics and move on. Or this one. Yeah. The home inspection checklist. Uh -huh. So I'm, I'd imagine people also type in new home inspection checklist. Yep. If they're even aware that they could have one. So then you could pull up for that. I've also seen them for like best neighborhoods in an area or mm -hmm. suburbs or communities. That's yep. been one that pops up a Top lot. School districts, very local. best communities. Mm -hmm. um, yes. And this is, uh, I don't think we talked about this, but the similar idea would be um, using your, your ability of your website to filter products. So let's say you have in this make-believe world, you have 20 inventory homes as a builder. Uh, doing a doing a sort filter on those homes to say only homes that are over four bedrooms that are under three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So then you're creating basically a one-off landing page that's pre-filtered around a topic, and then making a a checklist or an article that talks about um, homes homes featured four bedrooms under three fifty in blank location. There could be a way to use featured snippets, assuming that. You, that that would stick around. So maybe it's also floor plans. Maybe you talk about floor plans that have yeah. uh, home off work from home capabilities and combining that with, with this structure type. So there's, it's a, it's a yeah. really great article. I'm, I'm glad you found it, Andrew. There's, there's nine yeah. steps. Um, some of them are very cool. straightforward, like a, what is heading knowing that you're, you're matching the structure of your heading to the question that people are asking. So your, your snippet is giving them the answer directly to that that idea. Yeah. And these are all things I think it's, if I was doing this and I was working at a builder, I would probably try to come up with what this content should be. Mm -hmm. If I, if we have the time and, um, means to get this done, not just like, Hey, I have this cool idea and it's yeah. going to go on my wall and never get it done. But if it's like, Oh, cool. We could do this next quarter or we have the time commitment or whatever. And then just flesh it out. Like I here's love... the top 10 articles that we could have that will help people. What I love is that some of these things that it's recommending are universal to so much of what we do. Like don't use your brand name. Yeah. You know, you don't no need cares. to put the name of your community in every ad for the community. If you are, that's a turnoff to the customer who's, who's searching. It's not like, Oh, I'm excited to see that name again. Let me go check it out. They're thinking, I already know about that. Moving on to something yeah. else. You don't need to keep talking about yourself on your own website in that same way. Right. And, and Google doesn't like that either in this case. So yeah. lots of good stuff there. Moving on from martechtoday.com, California's CCPA 2.0 is probably going to pass and there will be changes. So consumer content protection act. I don't know when I think that's California right. yeah. consumer protection it's act. Devil. Is that what I it is? <laughs> I think it's California. Let's so see. basically before it was how you're going to collect the data and being transparent about that. Now it's going to prevent businesses from sharing data. So 
this would come into account of grabbing data from your site, even if they give you full freedom to do so, they, they accept those restrictions. That doesn't mean you can send it to Facebook and create the same type of campaigns you might want to with an information. So it's just, we're not looking to talk about the article because of the specifics in there, just to say it's going to keep getting tougher to collect personally identifiable information of any type and to be able to keep it for very long, certainly to share it with other organizations and whatever California does, it doesn't take too long for the rest of the country to mm -hmm. start to adopt. I mean, right now, how many, how many websites that don't do any business with folks directly in California still make you say yes, or, or, or GDPR was the same thing. Mm -hmm. like, European standards, everyone says, let's just go ahead and, and roll it in. So it's, it's not just preventing you from selling data to other people, just sharing it for any really purpose. Yep. A fun one. And you're going to have to implicitly give them that option to not allow you to share the data. So this just, to me, the other thing it, it reminds me of is the need for a marketing technologist to help, especially businesses at certain scales, get through this. Because now you're talking about segments upon segments upon segments and it can definitely get overwhelming and consuming pretty quickly next up from searchenginejournal.com linkedin lists digital marketer as a top oh, in demand job what a deal and no <laughs> doubt right. about it yeah down one that uh, knows what they're doing right so here That's they the are cap, yeah. the top 10 software developer there are currently 15 million job openings for software developers number two sales rep that's that's interesting to me. That is. I'm not sure why. I mean, people want good sales reps, but all right. Project manager, number three, number four, IT admin, number five, customer service specialist. Uh, that's code for someone who likes to get screamed at, right? Ooh, not, yeah. that, that's a painful one. I've, <laughs> like, I, it, yeah. I've been there. I've done that job. Digital marketer, number six out of 10 with 860,000 current job openings That's just and crazy. a lot of them working remote. A lot of them working. I remote. want to believe these numbers, right? But I'm just like 860,000 divided by 49 states because 48 states because Hawaii and Alaska don't count. Maybe they should. Well, these are global know. numbers. Global so not, numbers. not just, okay. uh, not just in the U S yeah. Maybe that, maybe that helps. But uh, even number then, 10 is also near and dear to my heart. Graphic designer, 355,000 job openings. So no surprise, but it is, it is cool to see marketing continuing to be more and more important. And specifically with this type of unique skill set that a digital marketer in, in our industry would, would have and the experience there. So I'm not saying now's the time to quit your job and look for another one, but now's the time to to keep your ears open, especially since we're going to be posting another digital marketing job at Do You Convert. Uh, by, by the time you hear this episode, it'll probably be out there. So <laughs> you're in demand everywhere. You're also in demand with us. Give us a shot. Keep yeah. keep keep applying. Could be on the podcast. Um, next up, and we're going to breeze this through this one fairly quickly, I think, from Skyward.com. There was an event uh, called CM World, or Content Marketing World, that happened a couple weeks ago. And this article is titled Seven Content Strategy Takeaways in a Post-COVID World Based Upon um, Content That Was Delivered at That Event. So knowing how popular Melanie Diesel was at The Pulse, and uh, we got some other news or updates for those of you who didn't attend about uh, content marketing here yet to come. 
just thought we'd breeze through these. And if uh, either of you have any, have any thoughts as I read the, the, yeah. the items, go ahead and pop out. Con- content is in high demand, but the bar for quality is higher. So the, the quote here from the CEO of Skyward, which might be self-serving always, whenever you see a quote by someone on their own site, cautious, but <laughs> we don't consume content at random anymore. We pay for it. We subscribe to it. We seek it out is kind of their, their idea. Now I will tell you, my wife still watches completely random content every night. She gets the, the Dodo world videos or like the animals being rescued and watch the bird, you know, who almost died. She still watches random videos, but I think there is, there is some truth to the fact that we want more content. Mm-hmm. What about the, what, what about the bar for quality being higher? Any, any yeah, agree, disagree? First, I guess I think we want content is in high demand for our interest at the time. And then we want it to be high quality and deep. Like, um, I, I don't, I guess we could say their names. I think we can't Tilson homes on your mm-hmm. lot builder in Texas, their Facebook lives, super detailed, yep. super deep. They perform really well, but I think it's because it's this mix of quality content. I think the people that are on the podcast, Don and Eric, they show passion for what they're doing. And so people get a sense for that. There's no way you could fake that, I think. Mm-hmm. And then it's a, exactly what that person's looking for at the time that's looking to build on a lot. And it's deep information they cannot get elsewhere easily. And so then it's just this mix of like, this is what people want. This is what this is what's in demand. So doing all all those is hard because you're like, we're really going to talk about like the development part and like drainage and like power and all this stuff. That's not so exciting, yeah. but it's super exciting for the people that are looking to do that. I think mm-hmm. you can't confuse quality with like overproduced. Yeah, it has to be good quality as far as how it's produced and your camera has to be okay. But I think some people get like caught up in it being produced like it used to be in the old days and hiring somebody to come in now you can do it yourself and it has to be pretty good but it doesn't have to be perfect what has to be quality is the actual content of it what you're serving them yeah i I think um the story that you're telling for sure has to be high quality like you you have to respect the viewer's time and whatever that means for what you're working on you have to respect it i I saw something somewhere which made me stop for a moment (laughs) Like the moment that you, it was a YouTuber talking about how he became uh, popular and he, he was saying, you know, the moment that like, I don't just turn the camera on and start talking. That's not how this works. Now we can do that because we're having a discussion with ourselves about the thing we do all the time. But this gentleman mm-hmm. is someone who does movie reviews and and stuff like that. He's like, I, I can't just turn the uh, camera on and wing it. And if I did that, the audience wouldn't respect me because they would see that I don't value their time enough to to do any prep whatsoever. So I think there's something there. And and the other point that I 100% agree with is the the perspective of your camera shot doesn't have to look like it belongs in a in a 4 or 5 star film. But it can't be 640 by 480 anymore. Yeah. So like yeah. audio quality is super important. Uh video quality in terms of clarity is very important. But I still don't think that the bar for quality being higher means that it, like you said, it's gotta be, um, heavily post-production produced. Like I think builders have this huge advantage because I don't, whether they want to realize it or not, like anywhere they shoot is what people want to see. 
mm-hmm. even if it's in the middle of a neighborhood that has 50 houses that are at, you know, whatever stage of construction, like that's what people want. Yeah. Um, even we, we've said this before like, about new home salespeople, but marketers, you need to go through an existing home now and then like go find a house that's for sale. Cause it, it, it is, it is interesting. Like you said, how fast we become disinterested with our own product or think, well, that's, that's okay, but it's not that great. Go walk through a home from 15 years ago. Like when's the last time either one of you have been inside of a house that has eight foot ceilings? Uh, mm-hmm. So my parents' house, I guess, but we're on quarantine. right. Oh, that's news. Yeah. <laughs> we're in quarantine right now. <laughs> Yay. Oh yeah. Super exciting. But yeah. And it's, and you know, our house was the cost of our house was the cost, but then their house say a few hundred more. Um, but then you're just like, oh, eight foot ceilings. Like, I don't care if you're on half an acre, have a pool and all this stuff. Like to mm-hmm. me, at least like, it just feels. I saw a house that dated. had regular, um, stippled ceilings. Like they weren't knocked down. And I was like, whoa, like this feels like it's from the sixties. I don't know what, what that is. is happening. Oh, okay. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the, the, yeah, or the larger like, texture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we, we just. So much. We got to get reminded about how great even the lower end of yeah. our product lines are. And they go to the model. To you know, and the, the new house smell, definitely not talked about enough, but there's definitely, even our house, a year and a few months later, you walk in from visiting an existing home and we're like, oh, still has that new house mm-hmm. smell. This is great. Yep. And people pick up on those things. All right. I totally lied. I said we go through these fast. Okay. Number two, marketing can't go it alone anymore. I love this one. It ties in right into what we talked about with Steve Whaley, which I've gotten a ton of great feedback on that episode. You know, the alignment of marketing with the rest of the c- company is so important. And so marketing can't just decide like, this is the content we're going to make because we think it's cool. We think it's important. Because again, back to your story about Tilson, uh, sewage and um, culverts, no marketer yeah. is going to be like, let's create some really sexy content around sewage. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not it. happening. Mm-hmm. Um, good content. Number three, good content is not hard for brands to find. That's we've already talked about that one. It's everywhere all around us and thinking about different content for different parts of the funnel for different reasons, why they're coming back to you post-sale, pre-sale, uh, shopping behavior, all that. Absolutely. Number four, peer-to-peer content helps brands earn trust in a skeptical world. I feel like we've mentioned this one, but maybe not, you know, you can absolutely take content that someone posted on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or most places now, even TikTok, and embed it on your site and, and talk about someone else's, you don't have to get their permission. It's on that platform. It's publicly available. It's certainly nice to get, let them know or, or to ask, but you can embed, there's entire news organizations who's, like you, you read the headline of a story, you go there and there's four sentences of text and then just embedded tweets from 20 different places. And that is the entire article. So if you've got happy customers, you've got people talking, sharing, there's no reason not to, to use that peer-to-peer content as part of your own messaging. You yep. just have to. And I think it encourages people to then talk about you more because then they, they're like, oh, mm-hmm. this builder will re, repost what I post on Instagram. Sure, I'm opposed to get my little child realtors on their Instagram account. Yeah, realtors what was that, love it. When, realtors oh, yeah. too. Realtors oh, love yeah. it when you talk about them, and then um, your trades, like nonprofits you work with. If you mm-hmm. mention them, they love that and love to retweet it. And yeah, yeah. Here, here's an extra free prize inside. 
You can tell I'm a child of the 80s because we used to have these toys. Do they still have toys inside cereal boxes? Rarely. My yeah. kids just got one the other That's day so and they sad. were thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> um, Happy meals. But the, the free prize inside here is you can absolutely do this for areas around your community. Like you could have a blog post, the top five most Instagrammable places within a 10 minute drive of Columbus, Ohio. And you don't have to go take those pictures. You could go grab those on Instagram, embed them on your site let those people sing your praises or reshare your post that talks about their content. There's all kinds of things that we can do by leveraging that idea. Number five, you can minimize marketing risks by diversifying your content portfolio. You not, you might not expect to learn about investment and finance at a content marketing event. So the idea here is you can, you start with a certain topic that you, that you address but that doesn't mean it can't bleed out ever so slightly, I think, in home building. Like you, we really have to be careful not to get too deep into furniture and um, other things. But you, you can widen your portfolio um, over time for sure. And the same with the uh, distribution of your content, like on the different platforms. And I think that's where having someone in-house who understands like, okay, I made, I did this piece of content. Here's the YouTube version. Here's the Instagram version. Here's the podcast version. And they're all slightly different to make sure it's it feels like a YouTube video or it feels like it belongs on Instagram. But one person as a skill set would be able to figure out how to edit it to make sure it fits. Yep. Number six, multicultural marketing is marketing. This is essentially like, um, what's the thing that Gary Vee always said? Market, market in the year you're in to, to, to not, to be completely blind to, to who it is that you're trying to reach, who it is that could be buying or potentially buying or, or viewing your, your content and to be monolithic in any way, shape or form just doesn't, doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Number seven, everything and nothing has changed. Huh. As Hanley so perfectly put it at content marketing world, the new normal might just be normal. We're seeing it with new eyes and a new perspective, but it might just be the way things are. I think this is really a six-point lesson. They wanted to add a seventh, so they. I know it's that. almost like saying, "Are the things that we have changed to during COVID what we really wanted?" And now it's just we're just calling that the new normal, even though that's the normal we wanted. Yep. So, real quick, before our last public service announcement, and Ooh. definitely we'll have a link to this in the show notes. Those of you who did not attend the Pulse um, didn't didn't get access to this. It is available, though, to the general public. So it's the Content Fuel Framework Workbook. Remember, um, we gave away copies to the Content Fuel Framework when Melanie Diesel came on. And that book is all about removing all excuses about what kind of content should I make? What does my audience care about? Helps you get through all that. Then she created a workbook that went with that. And then um, the team here at Do You Convert partnered with her to make a version of the workbook that is home builder specific. So there's additional pages added that it's an 84 page workbook in total. It's a PDF download. Uh, you can go link to it in the show notes and that is available for 1995. And, um, we're working with Melanie to get a certain portion portion of that. We don't make anything off of this. It all goes to, to Melanie, but she has agreed to give a certain percentage, um, to, uh, nonprofit organizations as a thank you for everyone. So we'll have more links on that. We'll, we'll share it, but, very cool. um, here's what I was thinking about the Insta 360 one X two, which we should find out the what retail value. I think it's like the, the package that I got with selfie stick and an SD card and everything oh. uh, that you need. It's like ready to It's not cheap, but 
if you were at the Pulse and you got the workbook or you buy the workbook, if you take a picture of yourself with said workbook, any page in it, you using the workbook uh, does not have to be amazing quality imagery, but just take a picture, post it in the Market Proof Marketing Group or share it on social media. We'll pick someone at random to send this your way so you can make better content with the workbook that you that you worked on. So there you go. Very nice. All right, Andrew, uh, you got another public service announcement for everyone. I know. We need a noise for that. The PSA alert. Um, Maybe like the purge. Um, hmm. Got nothing. Signal or yeah. something. Who knows? This was an email today. Julie, you're on this one. Um, an account was restricted. It was a like, help me, I'm in Facebook jail. That was the word used, which is yeah. good. She was, yeah. A lot of humor with that. And then it turns out it's just because she did not have two-factor on the authentication on, which depending on your Facebook setup, how you're accessing your ad account, you might've been forced to do it like a month or two ago. And then if you didn't pay attention to it because you're like, I don't have to listen to these alerts. There's so many alerts. Like why? They told me not to look at the alerts from the account. This one's important because eventually I think everyone will have their account restricted, which seems like a really big deal, but they can just add the two-factor authentication and then you're good to go. Yeah, it's just something you need to have on. You should have anyways. Yeah, anyway, on anything that's important to you. I mean, we even got, what was this thing yesterday that Thais sent us? Someone oh, created yeah. an account that was called, like, a page <laughs> like the name of their page was page violations yeah. with a big exclamation point on it. And so this is the message they sent us. We are obliged to inform you that your page has been flagged because of unusual or illegal activity. Therefore, your page might be permanently deleted. In order to avoid such actions, you need to fill out the form in the link below. If you decide not to act accordingly, we will immediately delete your page. Yours, the Facebook security team. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one, they're not going to send you a message like that. So just ignore that. But two, uh, you know. Your your online persona and the persona of your organization is only going to become more and more valuable over time and will be attacked by nefarious groups more and more. So you definitely want, I mean, yeah, you, you should absolutely have it on not just your, not just your bank account, but your social media accounts mm -hmm. for sure. For All right. Sure. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're joined with Megan English from O'Neill Interactive. Uh, she's one of my favorite people in the industry. Can't wait for you guys to meet her. If you don't know her yet, she's going to talk about her path in the industry, uh, getting involved in the professional, uh, women in home building organization and so much more. We'll be right back. And we're back and joined today by Megan English, Vice President at O'Neill Interactive. Megan, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. You have been in home building for approximately how many years now? Forever. Um, how many <laughs> years is forever? No, I started in 2005, I would say would be my official start in the home industry. So for uh -huh. anybody, it's kind of a veteran that was like the heyday. Um, yeah. Lotteries on homes, um, people camping out, that kind of thing. I worked for the new home directory, which was a um, 
a magazine. Um, yes, there was print back then. And yeah. they had a small directory site called American Home Guides. And then they started to kind of build out um, their online portfolio as the years went on. But I started in the DC, Northern Virginia market. So it was a pretty hot market. Um, so I got to see a lot of glitz and glamour in the home industry in my mm-hmm. first few years. Am I reading this correctly? You were a real estate agent. I was. Yeah. I had my uh, license uh, through Long and Foster for about, I'm going to say four years. Yeah. I think it was four years total, um, which is funny is because I was working for O'Neill part-time out of Dennis's basement and also doing real estate part-time. So um, and then I realized quickly that real estate was a side hustle and um, that I would rather invest my time in O'Neill. So, Okay. So you, you mentioned Dennis's basement. Are you, are you all still in Dennis's basement? Just- We've grown a little <laughs> bit since the base, we call them the basement years, um, affectionately titled the basement years. Cause we, you know, there was, I think maybe four of us in his basement. We used to eat dinner at, or um, lunch at his kitchen table. Um, oh, you know, his family funny. was coming in and out. Um, we would come in through his deck, his patio side door, you know, we would get kit coffee in his kitchen. It was, um, it was kind of cool to be a part of that. And then we, we moved a couple of years later once we got above that, like four or five employee threshold. So, um, no, we are not in the basement, but it was fun. That's hilarious. I I wish <laughs> I wish we lived in today's world where we could have had like a live stream setup of what that was like or like the behind the scenes social media of everyone in the basement. Oh my gosh, when well, just... we were we were celebrating our 10 year and we were looking for photos of like before and after photos of like where we came from. Um and wanted to get each office cuz we've had we're on our third office now. Um it was, you know, Dennis has since rearranged it and became like a crash pad for his kids. But yeah, it was, it was, um, it's funny it, uh, to see that kind of growth is, is amazing. And now you are a vice president. I am. I, I am. I, I don't feel like a vice president, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good sign that you're probably a good vice president. Uh, what, what does that entail for you at O'Neill? Um, well, so I think a little bit of everything, you know, I think we, um, Dennis and I've been working together for uh, 10 years. We've known each other before then. And I think, um, I had just kind of seen the company grow and you start to learn so many different facets of the company. And then you start to get to know the business side of things. So I really do touch website marketing, um, business development and kind of the back office administration. So we were just, you know, we have check-ins and powwows over all the details. So catch me on a good day and I'll tell, tell you what I did, but. I'm sure most of the people listening know that O'Neill Interactive creates home builder websites, but give us a quick uh, scope check of all the things that you guys do with your, your builder partners. Yeah. So um, yes, we're most known for Homefinity, our, our website platform uh, that powers all of our websites. And uh, it also powers for some builders their just their XML feed, and we have a lot of uh, a lot of integrations that we that we work with uh, individually on projects um, to help you know to help builders market better and 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 be more tech savvy. And then we also have a marketing division, so we do online digital marketing. Uh, we're, we all are full service, so we do brand guide development, uh, create all creative assets. Um, that's something have you probably, done a TikTok campaign yet? 
No, I don't okay, think we will do that. Um, I, I, I haven't jumped on board, um, but maybe have I'm missing you something. Personally made, have you, do you have a TikTok account or have you made a TikTok? No, my kids have them and I have been once briefly cameoed, I believe. Um, <laughs> okay. But it's never, never a good idea for me to get on a TikTok video. <laughs> are you are your kids do they are they into it? Uh, yeah my my 13 year old daughter kind of took over our account and turned it in my i think it was my wife's account turned it into a family account so that it is it is just them making things for themselves more or less in the app and then it happens to get posted but i i don't think uh i should check because last time i checked there was like 100 followers of which we know two yeah. <laughs> we were just, just talking about that yesterday, the the virality, so to speak, of of, of teenagers um, that you have like 100,000 followers for for what? <laughs> like, that's, I mean, I feel like there is probably marketing power behind that somewhere, but for home builders, I have it, not found it yet. Unless you have a really talented sales person who can dance in front of the model, that might get you some, some good. It'll get you something. We had someone who did something <laughs> kind of like that. And it was not, it was not good, but I, yeah, the, it is fun having teenage daughter, a teenage daughter soon. To, I feel like they're, they're both teenagers. The one's only uh, 11, but it's fun to, to impress them every once in a while. The, my daughter just went to school for the first time she's been homeschooled. And so she was doing this research on the privacy uh, issues around Visco, uh, the app <laughs> Visco. And I said, oh, yeah, I, you know, I've had that installed for the last I don't know, two, three years on my phone. And she's like, what? When did my dad become cooler than me or know what's going on? <laughs> I don't I don't do anything with it, but I did download it and play around uh, enough to know that there's nothing there at the moment. Yeah, um, I feel like that, that's where it's we try to take platforms and the new launches. I think we went through this with every evolution. Should builders be on Pinterest? Should builders be... You know, I think that on on different platforms that just because they're popular right now doesn't necessarily mean there's a place in your marketing plan. Yeah. Focus is so important. And even if you work at a large organization with, with more resources, you still have to really keep the blinders on to an extent. You know, experiment over here, sure. But dive in, you got definitely got to be careful. How many, roughly how many builders do you guys work with currently? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'd have to check the numbers. I think total um, close to a hundred, just but Ooh. in varying capacities, not sure. like on a, on a regular basis. I think yeah. we we have in some capacity have um, have around that. But Dennis might be fact checking me right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we we love the Homefinity platform. It definitely makes it. Uh, well, one of the things when we talk about content and getting content on the website and maximizing its use for a lot of other website systems, people start rolling their eyes or like, Kevin, really? Like, it's just painful. And one of the great things has been, because uh, recently we've had probably eight different builders who work with launch a site with you guys. And they're just like, it's so easy. And I've even had a couple of people who were like, eh, I don't know if my my backend is really that big of an issue for me, but they almost don't even know what's capable. Like how does, what does a good backend content management system look like? How does it function? How much easier does it make my life? And I had a, I had a call with a leadership team and they were already planning to do a, a new site. 
And they were, I think they had a little bit of sticker shock uh, from all the folks that they did an RFP to. And I said, look, you right now, I just got off a call with your marketing person and they are spending roughly eight to 10 hours a week doing mundane, irrationally Input, difficult yeah. adjustments to the website. And so think about how much you're paying that person and, and hours lost, opportunity lost, hours lost and, and all of that. And it, it really helped them understand. But website backends, I just want to, I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit more about Homefinity because it's kind of like a marketer at a home builder who has never really had that position before. And they tend to be, well, I promoted my secretary or the starts coordinator is now in charge of marketing because they like images and graphics. And then when you start talking, they're like, this is everything that a marketer could do. They're like, oh, I, I had no idea. It seems a little bit like that with content management systems. And and so what, can you give us a couple of examples of things that you find people really enjoy about the Homefinity platform? Yeah, I think at the um, at the top level, you nailed it with the efficiency. So trying not to make things where you repeat yourself or repeat data entry points. I think that that is a huge time saver where we um, we have a system where uh, plans get inherited based on you know where they're located. And so um, and a lot of auto population and based on on just kind of core functionality. And I think that's probably where from a from a business standpoint, use that eight to ten hours a week, you see you start to see decreases in that um, that time efficiency overall. But then I think from a marketer level, and especially somebody who might be doing um, like like listing management, you know, this the the feed syndicates directly to any ILS site that you're on. You can create as many custom feeds or generate as many feeds as you want. We have the basics, you know. Uh, with, I just want um, to pause right there okay. to get real tangible for everyone. One of my favorite examples is. And I, I don't even like the excuse, the original excuse, but a lot of the excuses I hear when talking to people is, well, I want all the floor plans on my site on a community page, for example, to all be very consistent. And so that means I'm going to use all renderings because it's consistent. I don't, I don't like that initial premise yeah. at all, but if, okay, if you can't give that up, most content management systems would then still promote that initial rendering as the main image on Zillow, on Realtor.com, on BDX, on all these other places. And you guys make it so easy to, to when you say customize the feed, it's, well, no, no, I want this this image to be number one on my website, but I want this other image to be number one when syndicated. I think that's just, and it blows people's minds every time I show them that that's possible. Yeah, I think that the, um, and then also that you can select which locations you syndicate where pretty easily with just checkboxes. Um, so if you're only under contract on Zillow for a few communities, those are the only ones that get pushed through. And then you you do have the um, we have the content quality scores or the oh, ratings yeah. that you see on the um, the plan pages and the location pages and spec pages that say how complete your listing is and if it's even publishing to the ILS. A lot of times there's missing information that makes it dead in, in the, in the feed. So then you're not getting, you, you might not even know that. Otherwise, sometimes you get like a, uh -huh. a cryptic email saying something's wrong with your feed, but most people can't read that. So yeah. this tells you in plain language, Oh, you're missing the latitude and longitude or an address. Um, or if it's still pushing through and you, it could be better, you could add 10 more photos or, 
have a virtual tour. Yeah, and I think the, the photos thing that. is is awesome. It's it's like a built-in third-party verification that you can use as an excuse to be a jerk in the sense of, <laughs> no, I really need eight more great images of this house, Mister or Mrs. Salesperson or photographer, whoever, because this our thing is telling. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, our website is telling us. Right. 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 Yeah, it's a good excuse. I, yeah, and I think it's definitely um, from from somebody who's doing that that detail management can it can it can be useful um, because as we know a lot of those syndicate sites use content quality as where they're going to place you. So if you're adding new photos or refreshing your content, uh, you could possibly have better placement on those sites. Yeah. All right. Just a little bit more about O'Neill, and then I want to dive back to to you specifically. Don't get scared. Um, one of the things that I have a hunch, but I've never actually asked Dennis or you about before, so why not do it live on the show? Ooh, is there like that. an official policy where you guys don't tell people no? Because what I mean by that is <laughs> a lot of the other, again, other other website organizations that our clients work with will will ask for an adjustment or a change or could we do x y and z and the immediate almost auto reply answer from them is no that can't be done unless you build a whole new website or no it can't be done unless you want to pay us 50 grand or no it can't be done because we just don't want to try and i don't know that i've ever seen anything like that come back from you guys so i'm guessing there's some official policy you caught that? us. Yeah. You, you, the secret sauce has been revealed. Um, no, we, I mean, so <laughs> I think one, one thing that's good for us is that Homefinity is our platform. It's proprietary. We have the ability to manipulate the source code to do whatever we want it to do. Um, and I think where that never say no, I, you know, there's always a cost involved of saying, is it worth the return on investment? So we yeah. will like, help you evaluate from that position, whether I, I feel like other folks almost use that as an excuse to say, no, that's what I mean by like, well, you could where, where like, let the, let the builder decide if that value is not yeah. like you guys will at least give an option of it's probably going to cost this. And now do you want to do it versus? Yeah. We'll, t we'll tell you if it's not a great idea, if it's like the Homer Simpson car, you, you don't <laughs> want, <laughs> you don't want to start like tacking on things that just because they sound nice. And sometimes you do have to yeah. take builders and, and make it more realistic. Like what does this have from a scalability perspective? Um, but yeah, I think that saying no, we have a really talented team of developers. And so they're uh, the conversations that are being had and Dennis is right in the mix with those, uh, those developers. Uh, we try to figure out how we can apply a fix to the entire Confinity community so that if we're doing something and we feel like it could be valuable to, to everyone, then it becomes a standard part of Homefinity. That's why when we do new, new releases um, on the software, it becomes available um, as part of your subscription. Yeah. And my one of my favorite things about Homefinity has been the ability for the site to generate change reports and not, not, not everyone I'm sure that you work with has that turned on or enabled currently, but the ability to, to do that, I, I keep going back to, I wish I had something like this where every, every day when I change the price on a community, I can choose who to send an alert to essentially via email or a dashboard that they can log into. I wish I had that for my weekend directional sign company, if nothing else, like <laughs> that it, it can help in so many ways, not just digital marketing partnerships, but even signage vendors of 
change the rider. It's no longer from the two tens, make it the two twenties. You know, you don't even have to have any of that back and forth conversation. It's just. Yeah. When you're moving so fast, it's just, it becomes, where do I have to change that? It can wake you up in the middle of the night. Um, I think that. (laughs) Especially (laughs) nowadays when some builders are changing price every two or three sales or every, every week, there's a different price adjustment and it's so easy especially as something like uh, search on Google to, to go a couple extra days. I mean, Google will yell at you if the, if the website uh, page doesn't exist because the community is sold out or something like that, but price changes, it's not going to, it's not going to make it obvious to you that you, that you're, you missed that one. So and it's yeah, when it's go, <laughs> when prices are going up, the, the, the one person will find that old price and, absolutely. and <laughs> say, Hey, I saw it here. Yep. So. Yep. Okay. So back to, to Megan English, the person, um, in the last 10 years plus that you've been with O'Neill and then, and then in home building, generally speaking, if, what do you think surprises you the most about where we are now in terms of the, the state of how home builders go to market, their use of digital more or less anything there that kind of stands out to you as surprising. I I wouldn't have expected that this is where we'd be right now. Ah, well, if you would have asked me five years ago, the idea of purchasing a home online would be kind of a pipe dream. I feel like nobody would feel comfortable with that. But I feel like in the past year, particularly, mm-hmm. um, and six months in general has really pushed builders to reconsider how they present their product online so that people can really get as much information down to the monthly payment and put a, you know, we're seeing hold deposits being submitted online and some of the very uh, core beginning stages of add to cart. Um, I I don't, you know, I think it it will always be hard for somebody to do that, but it's, um, I would never have expected that a few years ago. Um, But yeah, I think just, I feel like builders have been forced recently to adapt to digital. And I was really concerned that a lot of them wouldn't be able to cut the cord um, in some regard um, and and go to that where the models aren't open. But we're seeing a lot of builders that even though states are reopening, they're keeping the virtual process in place uh, to keep, you know, because not just because it's safer for their sales teams and, and their customers, but also because it is more efficient and it allows for more flexibility as far as yeah. virtual appointments. And, uh, and people are, uh, if you can provide them with the content virtually, then there's no need for them to step foot. Uh, we in were the sales on a center. call not too long ago where someone was saying that for a particular community, the wait to have an in-person meeting with the sales rep was almost 30 days out. And this is in the state of California, so so not not maybe as surprising as if I said it was somewhere like Iowa, but it is uh, it's all that far out. And so, like, what do we do? And we did exactly what you said. We were just like, let's take the playbook of what we were doing before. Why not have ten to fifteen minute virtual conversations with people to really make sure that you, you, you know you have this limited capacity? We've got to get the best people in. And, um, yeah, so I think, I think there's a lot of wisdom to keeping a lot of those things around as long as it can be perceived and messaged as a way that's still a convenience for the customer first. And that's the one, that's one of the more dangerous things that I'm seeing is builders getting used to the market conditions and essentially saying to themselves, we can do whatever we want and the consumer is going to have to obey versus following where the consumer wants to go and, and 
making sure that it comes across as a convenience to them versus this is just the new hurdle we're throwing in front of you. You got to be a little careful with that messaging for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think too that we saw builders gating a lot of their information years ago where they didn't really want to provide pricing or provide information because they wanted to have their salespeople be the one to kind of lock them in and talk them through that. Uh, and I feel like just the transparency of, of information, it, again, so that people can make informed decisions and they come prepared to conversations with the sales team instead of trying to blind them in different directions. Um, yep. I think that that's an, a new trend as well. Yeah, I, I think my biggest surprise from from my perspective of myself is just how all in I am in, in the idea of of on-demand access to models and inventory homes. Yeah. If I would have asked myself five years ago, I'm sure I would have said, yeah, and certainly when it's far out and there's not a salesperson nearby and it's, it's maybe sat for a long time, why not? Essentially using it like a, an extension of the the boxes that the MLS uses. But anymore, I'm, I'm convinced if I started my own home building company, that would be a core foundational piece of they are always available at almost any time to anyone. I agree hundred uh, percent. I think that that is, if, if you can provide that access the, through the the applications like Utor and, and some of the, I'm not going to go plugging everyone, but I think that there is a, such a value um, because people can see it on their own time and people are busy. They don't necessarily have the same, and even with quarantine and COVID, they still their time is valuable. Um, so if you allow them to experience your product in their own, they'll have a much better taste in their mouth than if you force them into your box. And that's the other, the flip side of it is it's also your team's time is valuable. And True. so this is a way where the consumer can get what they want and you can protect the time of, I mean, we've talked a lot about how easy it is to hire people right now because of the, the economic situation. Really good people are looking for work. But the best salespeople out there are not looking for work. The very best are always hard to get. And so to the the weird analogy that I try to help people understand who are still on the fence about it is, Mr. or Mrs. Builder, what if the 20,000 people who came to your website last month all were forced to interact with your online sales team in order to peruse the site? That would be weird. <laughs> It'd be weird for them. <laughs> It'd be weird for you. It would not be the most efficient way to get it done. And, and on-demand access of physical spaces is kind of the same way. When you are ready to purchase or have questions, then you need to use that salesperson's time. But otherwise, especially in markets like now, or when the market gets really, really soft, it's going to be important to, to let the consumer have that option. So yeah, uh, it's a new, a new world that we're living in. I wanted to give you a chance to talk a little bit about PWB and, and your experience as a professional woman in building um, and, and your experience with that and how that's changed over the years. Because it seems like, especially in probably the last three years, it's really grown rather dramatically in involvement. And in, in what So for those, those folks listening who have not been involved in PWB before, tell us a little bit about what it's like, what, it, what its purpose is, mission is, different ways to get involved. Yeah, I think so. I'm recently involved. I started getting more involved last year when I went to the summit in Scottsdale. And I was really, mm -hmm. really impressed uh, with just the the camaraderie and the energy of the, the 
females in the, the building industry. And I think what PWB really does is just connect females because it's it, despite the fact I think it's close to nine percent or ten percent of, of of the industry workers are are female at this point, which is still pretty low. Uh, but it's it's grown. I think it's doubled over the. I past. would imagine that's probably higher than the percentage of of executive level women in website design in our industry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> that's got to be like Never triple thought that. about it that yeah. way. <laughs> I think you're the um, only one that I'm aware of. Really? I don't, I don't know about that, but <laughs> well, I'd love to do Kevin, you're, you're really making my head big, but <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that, um, but yeah, I think really it connects. It's PWB really just connects and gives everybody resources and gives women a voice in the industry that there is, strengths on all fronts in every, I feel like in, in every facet. Um, and I think the, the speakers last year, I really wish it's virtual this year. It's at the end of October. Um, and I said last year that I was going to get more involved. And so I've been trying to reach out and get, um, get involved in some of the, but COVID kind of threw a wrench where there wasn't a lot of opportunity to, to be a part of the meetings, but I connected with all of the, the groups and, and really value, uh, just, just kind of challenges. And it's not, it's, it's more so I wrote a blog post and it was interesting because I felt like everybody in that room when we were at, at the the conference was uh, kind of pushing the, the agenda of, we want to succeed the, the industry succeed, just like every, you know, just like everybody else, there's no need to have that, uh, that dichotomy between men and women, but there, we do have a niche in the marketplace and we do have, uh, challenges to overcome. So really seeing, uh, yeah. seeing the value there, I think is, um, I just, everybody that I've come across has been so genuine and, uh, supportive. And it's interesting. I mean, we, every time we have an opening, we make a posting and we see who applies and it, I didn't even realize until we just made a slide for, for pulse of our, of our current employees. And, Mike, Andrew, and I are the only guys. Like we have, I think, a team of thirteen or fourteen now, and and the rest are all are all women. And it makes total sense. I mean, I going through the purchase and and construction of our of our new home now. The amount of times that I defer as like I care about this five percent <laughs> of, of this is important to me, but the rest, honey, like this is this is your essentially your nest to, to use a really bad example, but I mean, it, and I forget who came up with the joke originally and I've used it for the last 10 years myself. Guys just don't wake up and say, we should paint the bedroom yellow today. It's the day. Now's the day. I know we've been thinking about it for a while, but today that, that idea of change and, and making things better and connecting to the buyer who's, who's most in charge in this scenario. It just makes, if any industry, it makes sense to have more women in more roles. It, it seems like this is the one. And I think that that, and that was what I noticed that it wasn't just women in design roles and uh, marketing roles. It was women in construction, like Mm -hmm. women, home builders, people who have, are swinging hammers just alongside. And I think that was, and, and working you know, women that have been in the industry for 40, you know, 40 plus years that have really paid their dues. I mean, and they're the ones that trade the blaze the trails for yeah. 
uh, my generation as far as being able to move up so quickly and making people started to realize that having women in your organization that have a different perspective really made an impact. And I think that that is PWB. Uh, what their what their their focus is. I don't remember his last name, but my favorite project manager when I was at Miranda here in Columbus, Ohio, his first name was Mario, and I loved it because he was a, he was a super tall, muscular Italian guy, gregarious, and I used to comment to to coworkers, I was like, if I was going to go to war, like he'd be the general on the battlefield that I'd want to go to war with, right? He knows what to do. He's he's decisive. He's contractors are are always attentive to what he's asking them to, him to do. And then I think it was when I was at Heartland, uh, just after the NVR acquisition, we had maybe one or two female project managers and it, it hit me in a different way of, but we're not going to war. (laughs) We're we're building a house and maybe human communication, like skills at, at a different level, not just for the contractors, but certainly for the customers. I feel like again, and maybe this is incorrect to say, I would rather have a highly competent female project manager in the, in the feeling sense. I don't know what that means about me or whatever, but I would rather have a highly competent female project manager because of the intangible parts of making the rest of my family and, and people involved in the process comfortable with what's going on. It's because you have a high emotional IQ, Kevin. It's, <laughs> I think that's, that's, well, you know, that's like, the only just, reason I've, but yeah, no, that, <laughs> my wife teases me all the time. Cause she's like, do you have to flip some switch when you go to work in this industry as a guy to understand the female consumer mindset? And maybe that's the, that's the escape button for me has been a high EQ, but yeah, I just think there's something to, to that. Okay. Well, before I say something totally wrong and get lambasted. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's sensitive because I think that there is, um, you know, there's a fine line um, at these days. And, and I always have a hard time, you know, because being in the industry and, and knowing that it is, it is male dominated, um, you don't, I, I think there's a, a way for women to approach business and have be treated just the yeah. same. And I think that that is. Well, co- and competency has to come first. Like right? exactly. again, I wouldn't, exactly. I wouldn't rather have an incompetent, inexperienced female project manager. I'm just saying <laughs> the tiebreaker for me would be if right. I had to pick two equal folks, I would rather have the EQ that I'm likely to get from a female. So it's, yeah, it's because we're sensitive for the most part. <laughs> for the most part. And then when you're not sensitive, I'm terrified of you. Watch that- out. <laughs> Because I am sensitive. Lock your doors. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shoot. Um, Okay. So any predictions? This is something I'm going to try to start doing with all of our guests moving forward. Any any (laughs) predictions you would have for what may change over the next five to 10 years in our industry? Yeah, I think I I headed that way earlier with the online, uh, you know, online payment. Um, I don't think we're going to have any Carvanas anytime soon, but I think that, um, you know, with Zillow coming out as a brokerage, um, and kind of that, that news of like, they're going to have their own real estate agents. I think that the, um, the digital marketplace for consumers is going to open up. Um, and I think that there'll be need to be just kind of an overall shift in how builders spend their money on marketing, uh, because, you know, I think even now we're seeing it where it's just 
the, the people that are making appointments are much more interested and you don't have to sell them as hard. They make faster decisions. They have a lot more information available to them. Uh, so you really do have to figure out how they'll have to figure out how to position themselves online. Uh, not that they didn't before, but I think in the next five years, we're going to see it um, yeah. almost like buying a car, um, you know, customization and, and tools that allow people to play around with, uh, with home designs. I think people love, that's the, you know, going back to the idea of painting your, your bathroom yellow. Um, I think that that is where you're going to see most engagement is trying to customize online and, and come and say, this is what I want. I, I don't need to talk to anybody. This is what I want. And that's still way too hard. I mean, <laughs> between house and Pinterest, uh, and, and the idea of idea boards, and then you've got these tools that give you, you know, here's four sample selections. I mean, I'm, I'm all for any of the progress that that we've made on visualizing this stuff and creating uh, purchasing abilities of selections and options, but we're we're definitely still far away from where the consumer wants us to be, and it's probably going to take a whole lot more money and a whole lot more time to get there, mm -hmm. and that's going to have to come from something because I don't see the percentage of of revenue going to to marketing and sales efforts growing dramatically. If anything, it's more pressure to shrink. And so builders yeah. are going to have to start choosing between how much am I advertising versus how well am I really curating this idea of being able to go as deep online in the process as I, as I want to. You know, I think that, and, and I liken it to that idea of buying a car because it become the idea of buying a house should, you know, we've always seen it as this, the biggest, one of the biggest purchases you're going to make and really put a lot of investment into the emotional appeal of a home um, when more people are driving it to be more transactional than than that I think and and I don't I, I I don't suggest taking the emotion out of it because I think it is still a very key part of the sales process is having somebody emotionally connect with your product yeah. uh, but that but but allowing people to see it from that perspective that you can still build your dream home we're going to help you do that. And I yeah. think that that will make marketing much more attractive. I think right now, what a lot of it we're trying to do is just be like, when you're ready to buy a home, we're here and mm -hmm. branding. And, and I think that when you start to come down to it, it's like, that's important, but providing the right customer experience online yeah. is going to be way more crucial. Because if they get to your website and you don't give them what you want, they're, they're not sticking around. So. You really almost need two different stacks of content and they work together and they overlap in different places, but you need awareness and research, you know, people who are, who are trying to limit the scope of, I can't continue on in this process with every builder and every opportunity in front of me. But then you also have this other stack that's, that's incredibly detailed and complicated of truly buying content by, you know, shopping the trade-offs of this or that and making the purchase. It's a different, if it's a different stack for a different purpose. Yeah, agreed. And right now, for sure, most people are still struggling with the first one. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so I think it's going to take us five or 10 years to get there. Um, so I think for me, that's my biggest prediction is that we will get there. Uh, it's going to take a lot of mindset adjustment uh, and, and some new blood and some rejuvenation, I think, in terms of people coming into organizations with fresh yeah. ideas and the, the ability and, and making really smart decisions, mm -hmm. uh, because that's, I think what, um, build, builders that are kind of passing the torch down, they need, they need people 
that can grow their organization and think outside the box. Cause yep. I'm thinking of six or seven of the folks that we work with who the, you know, the father or grandfather, or whoever started the organization is still calling the, the most of the shots and the son or daughter is just continually like, Hey, listen to what this Kevin guy's got to say. What do you think about this? And they're like, well, we'll try it. And maybe we'll do 10% of it, but we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to yeah. reinvent the wheel. And at some point, if you're not willing to make lots of small reinventions, either the market is going to force it like COVID, uh, or you're going to have to finally pull the trigger and it's going to be, it's, you can still get to the other side, but it's a lot more moving pieces at one time and a lot more just chaos that you got to, got to get through when everything's changing all at once. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. And I think that the, that a lot of times on the product side, they're a lot more willing to adopt innovation. So smart home integrations and things like that, because they make, they make their products better. Um, and, but why not make your marketing better too with innovation? Yeah. So I think that, uh, it had his marketing is the redheaded stepchild typically <laughs> in the, in the building, but, uh, try to, we try to change that. That's right. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Megan. Really appreciate it. Excited for no, people to get so. to, to hear your story and uh, make sure you connect with her on on all the socials. We'll have links in the show notes to O'Neill Interactive and, and Megan's uh, LinkedIn profile so you can reach out and connect with her. Awesome. Thanks a lot. It was great being here. You bet. We'll see you. And we're back. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Thanks again, Megan, for hopping on. Vice President at O'Neill Interactive. Again, a company that we have so much faith in that at DeConvert, we invested, have invested in them and uh, openly share a lot of our best practices and findings with them because they're just taking such great care of the builders that we've sent their way. Amazing service level. And again, Megan is, is someone who's going to make sure to take care of you. All right. Answers to last week's question of the week, which was all about the budget process. And Jennifer Walsh starts started us off with, it's a complicated process. Oh, the question was, what does your budget process look like at the highest level? How do you come up with numbers for the year? You don't have to share anything specific, just the process. So she says it's complicated, but typically my first step is creating a monthly calendar of active communities based on sales, starts, and closings. Sales, starts, and closings is awesome. The one that's, that we're most concerned about typically is sales, but you do need to be aware of starts and closings as well because, like I said, you have to understand where the stress for different people is coming from. When you talk to the construction folks and they're stressed out and you're like, I don't get it. Like we're selling up selling the homes, everything's great. Why are they so stressed out? Because they have a crazy number of closings that they're trying to get through. And you asking if you can, you know, get the 10 steps of some type of process from them might, might not be a good time to ask that question. Might, might be stressing them out. Um, many of our budget lines are based on that figure, Facebook ads, Google ads, Zillow, photography, et cetera. Additionally, the calendar notes, grand openings, model openings, or model closures, because all of those typically cost a certain amount of money from sales, galleries, staging, photography, open house items, et cetera. I love it. And again, if you can pre-negotiate outside of the percentage spend of your budget, flat dollar amounts that relate to model openings or grand openings, that's awesome because... 
they always try to surprise you with like two or three extra. And they're like, just make that work in your normal budget. So if you can get a set dollar amount uh, set aside for those, that's a great way to go. All right. You want to take the next one here, Andrew? Yeah. Beth, she had a great one. <laughs> this is the correct map. First, let's start with the headache after staring at the screen for a really long time. Then I procrastinate some more, reorganize, color code, play around with a few numbers, and chug some coffee. Finally, in many coffees later, I actually do my homework. I look at what we spent this year, where we needed to increase ad dollar due to sales performance, plan out plans, and unplanned future developments and models, dot, 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 and ad adjust accordingly. Just kidding. It's not that dramatic. There's a lot of coffee and staring involved. A lot of staring. They have a lot of... Uh, they have a lot of communities she works with. Yep. So that's, yeah, that's always and Bridget fun. Thompson said, I think you've been peeking through my window. Sounds exactly what I've been doing. <laughs> a lot of staring, a lot of coffee, uh, highlighters, markers, et cetera. <laughs> and I think people are having this flashback of like 2020 went nothing, was not as planned. And so they're, I think they're like cautious to plan 2021, not knowing what it will be like. Is it going to be another 2020? Yeah. Will it? Yeah. Who knows? Julie, you want to read this one? Yeah. Uh, Don said for 2020 planning, I was very organized and planned it all out in, a neat, in neat little categories based on performance of each channel. And I put in some growth compared to 2019. 2021 planning is going to involve either a dartboard or pulling numbers from a hat. I'm mostly kidding, I think. Nice. It's good. I, I did talk to someone else and I thought this was a pretty good strategy. They were actually going to ignore almost all of the data in planning from 2021, looking into 2020, looking into 2021, meaning makes sense. I'm not going to look at these crazy ratios we have and crazy volume we had. I'm going to plan off of 2019, not knowing when things may or may not return to normal. And I think there's some wisdom to that. Also, um, we'll, we'll get to story time after a couple more comments. So Sarah Titus, it's become easier each year. I'm a bit OCD with knowing what I have left in each account at any moment. There's nothing wrong with that. I used to do the same thing, Sarah. Every time I signed off on any invoice, I kept track of it in my own Excel sheet for the current month because what happened after I signed off on that and went to finance, who knew? Like sometimes they would decide to pay things at different times. You just, I, I wanted to have control of that. So there ain't nothing wrong with that. Accounting is always a billing cycle or two behind me, so I keep an Excel workbook of each account. Exactly. I do quarterly audits to ensure that what I have in my workbook is what accounting has to make sure our numbers match and I know everything in there. This used to take me a lot longer process, but now I can get through it in a couple hours and know exactly what I can spend in each area and ramp up or down depending on what comes at us throughout the year. This is a super key point she's about to go into, I think. I learned that no matter how much I try to plan, there will be something that jumps up and bites me a few times in the year. So I need to be able to pivot quickly and efficiently. It's also the reason uh, why I would recommend that we, we've talked a lot about this with folks based upon the way 2020 went. You might create a minimum number for a line item like Google or Facebook and say, I'm not going to spend less than this in any month. And then I'm going to have a pool of money off to the side where I will use as necessary. If you can have more flexibility and freedom like that, it's really what you have to do because we don't know when the search volume is going to come, especially when we've got health issues and, and pandemics and everything else yeah. happening. Man, this is all good stuff, Sarah, but I'm going to have to skip down through some of this. I also plan meetings with all vendors for the month before, so I have an idea of what the overall campaigns will look like, and I lay out oh a calendar. But here, here's the payoff. I turned in my 2021 budget last week, and it was approved with no questions. 
Nice. I had everything broken out by division, campaign, and type of spend, and it felt very good. I used to hide from the numbers and procrastinate and spend hours tinkering and panicking. Because I have made budgets a constant thing, they are less daunting and less overwhelming. I have learned that by having everything laid out in detail, there is less discussion on how much I can have and more intrigue on the details of the plan. It's been a journey, and I'm always learning something new or fine-tuning something. I mean, that is just freaking amazing. Like, this is like a block you could like add a couple things here and there, and this could be like how to budget. And well, whether or not you balance your personal budget or balance your checkbook or anything, like you better do it from the company's perspective because you're absolutely right, Sarah. If if you're doing this on a monthly basis, I, it's just like I talk about, and some people, I know we're going to have problems when they, even after they've been in the role for a year or so, have no idea what I'm talking about. Like if you don't understand the thumbprint of a community or a salesperson, and you kind of have this sense. You don't have to dig into all the numbers every time. You can glance at the numbers and you know how that community typically behaves or that salesperson typically behaves. And you have some of this feeling of, of where things are likely to go. Budget process is the same way. If, if you're not keeping tabs on a monthly basis of where things are going, I mean, it's it, it does happen every once in a while where someone will reach out to us and they're like, hey, I mean, we have budget numbers that they give us and we stay within those. Um, some people don't have budgets. We're going to talk about that in a second. So that's always interesting. You don't have a budget. But to, to go through a six-month period and not full, have a full transparent understanding, even though you have dashboards, even though you have access to the accounts, that's a little bit scary because what it means is, like Sarah was saying, you're not going to be able to give an account to anyone who would ask about how how it's going and two from a planning perspective when shifts like pandemics happen or something less severe but but similarly in need of a shift you got to do a lot more work and and the decision making process just slows down tremendously so keep up don't catch up with the budget process and and keeping track of your numbers for sure all right last part here before we go is just crazy stories about budgeting and the budget process that are 100% true. I guess not all of them are crazy, but there's a couple owners in the last few years that I've talked to about budgets and they just say, I don't, I don't give budgets. And I say, that's interesting. Tell me more. I don't trust the person that's running the department. Uh, warning. That's a problem. <laughs> warning. Now, maybe they don't trust anyone ever, but that's mm. not a great sign. And so if you work for someone and you don't have a budget, some people think incorrectly that that means that like they trust them. So they don't have a budget that you need to double check what that means. Cause you may not know what that, that means, but they literally just say, if I give them a budget, they're going to spend all that money, whether it needs to be spent or not. So I don't give them a number. And that way I'm essentially remaining in control of what we spend and how we spend it. That's um, one, one way to think about it. I also remember I was working with someone who'd been in the industry for almost eight years. And again, now, now this person um, sometimes gives out free advice on budgeting, which is interesting. And they never, they had never done a budget ever over eight years in the business from multiple different organizations had never really structured a budget. So that's, that blows my mind. They, the reason was kind of because we don't, we don't need one because I get anything I ask for approved. That's, that's also not a great reason to not have a budget. Maybe they do trust you implicitly and so they approve everything. But at some point, 
the substitute teacher shows up or some like you, you ever been you know when you're in school and you're like everything's great and then the sub shows up and they don't know that there's like these other set of rules that the teacher created and so they just ask you like hey we're gonna have a test here you go and and they they just behave and think and act differently than than the normal teacher and you're stuck a new cfo comes to town company's about to get sold people start asking more questions it's it's not a good position to be in to not have a budget and have trust either. So you need to have a budget, even if it's a super secret budget that you keep for yourself. Again, like this, this is hundred percent real. We have probably five people that we work with who keep a super secret budget for themselves from their company's perspective. They have no budget. They've never been asked to get a budget approved. They keep one just so that they know what's going on. And if they, and the process is getting better or worse. Because there's that own internal accountability for it. Um, any other interesting budgetary stories that you guys have had with builder partners or without names or I even my, Julie back when you were at Ideal? Anything yeah, ever Julie, pop you up go first? around budgets? <laughs> um, no, not really. No, oh, that's all right. <laughs> I'd say mine. Um, it's it's around budgets, but I think checking your spend frequently. And what is running, if your title is director of marketing, digital marketing, marketing, whatever, um, I think that everyone needs to be looking at that. Super important. Um, and then budget, I feel like it's also, there's this commitment. If you put it on the budget, that means I'm going to commit to this project. Mm -hmm. And that can be scary for like content, 35,000 or whatever number, I have no idea. Like that means there better be that much of outcome for next year or you didn't do what you said you were going to do. So maybe that could be a resistance to, to budget for some people because then you're committing to this new idea or new project or, or whatever it may be like, you better get it done now because you put it on the budget. Yeah, for sure. And that's part of the reason why um, we came up with the idea of this innovation line item in your budget. So I'm thinking like eight years ago, we started sticking that in because it forces you to find ways to push yourself in to try something that otherwise you'd be scared to do when you put that line item in there. It also protects you from, you know, deciding we're only going to do TikTok ads this year. No, yeah. you've never done them before. Yeah. Your innovation budget we says you much. can only do this amount to satisfy your inner teenager yeah. who wants to be cool because we still have to sell homes. Yeah, that's true. So that, it, to me, that, that innovation spot would give you so much freedom. Like, oh, I want to try this. Look, I already spent the money kind of. Mm -hmm. Like it's right there. Yes. I'll go and do it. I do yep. actually have something you talked about, you know, having your budget or secret budget for when people above you are asking questions or CFOs It's also helpful when you have new home consultants or somebody within the organization asking yes. for, I need a billboard. I need a this because at times you have to sit them down and say, this is our budget for this. You have to explain to me how we're going to fit that in and what you, we're going to get from that. And it really helps um, people understand sometimes why yeah. you're saying no to things that doesn't make sense to them. Mm -hmm. Marketing is, does not have a money tree hanging out that we just get to pull from whenever someone has a great idea, right? For sure. <laughs> For sure. Yep. All those things are, are good. I'm trying to think of there, there's one other, we, the craziest one I've had this year was someone who said, what if I just want to spend three times my budget from 2020 and 2021? What should I do with that, Kevin? And 
Like, oh, I was okay. completely stuck for a good eight seconds. My brain was just frozen. Like, what did you say? <laughs> yeah, I just want to spend three times more. Okay, why? Because you're already selling. Um, your capacity is is being reached. But also, fr- from their perspective, they they just wanted to know, this is an owner speaking, how much do you think I could grow? What else could accelerate my growth? And we did the we did the math and and Andrew Bryce and I came back and we could we can push kind of the things that make sense to a certain degree let's just say maybe like another 25% from where they are now mm-hmm. and almost everything after that was you got to start solving other problems you got to start creating more interactive content more searchable content it it all kept coming back to content content marketing content structure organization user experience customer experience all, all these other, th- other things and other problems that can't be solved with just an ad. Yep. But that was, that was probably my favorite budgeting question so far. I remember that one. That stretch my brain. That does stretch your brain. Like Andrew and team try to spend twice as much money on this. <laughs> Go, oh, okay. Okay. Let's figure yep. this out. Can we do that? Yeah. Which is always fun. Cause I don't know what's going to happen next year. Um, Yeah. All right. A reminder, you can always call in with questions on this episode, questions or comments at 404-369-2595 or email them to show at deconvert.com. I think also we should start a segment of just bringing on additional questions that were posted in the marketing group. Someone asked a great question about Google My Business that if I would have thought about earlier, we would have grabbed that one. But Uh, um, some good good questions this past week in the group. So uh, also, if you want to just throw it there in, in that, get everyone else's answers. It's awesome. Like, I feel like Anytime someone asks a question, there's three or four people who hop in within minutes and and beat me Mm -hmm. to it even. So uh, definitely take advantage of that as well. All right. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out youconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next time. See ya. Bye.